we can we can we can get in and out in 20 minutes if you want to we don't have to spend all yeah we don't have to do as i say i've got nothing to say i think i will as a result of your good questioning i will probably find something to say and um i do agree with you it's important to keep a weekly thing because people are creatures of habit and there will be somebody who presumably on sunday morning will always switch this on and it doesn't Mm. have to be a marathon does it no it does not welcome to another episode we started (laughs) we have indeed welcome to another episode uh, of conversations with my mother with me matthew peltier and you my mother uh good morning mimi good Um, morning matthew how you doing um i'm well but interestingly enough yesterday i was tested for coronavirus Right. I Have you got it? Did you I, win? I'm part of a research program at the university about old people and ageing. And they've used to ring me up and say things like, how many times have you washed your hands? But they stopped doing that now. They send out, um, um, they send out a questionnaire and I tick some boxes and I have a cold. You may be able to even hear it. I have a cold. And... Um, I ticked enough boxes for them to be concerned. And so yesterday they sent two researchers around to my house. When they came in my house and they put on full PPE, everything that you see on the telly, took a blood test and two swabs. And they're going to let me know on Monday if I have the infection. I'm quite sure I haven't because I don't have any bad symptoms. But of course we know, don't we? Idris Elba had it with no symptoms at all. So that is possible. Are you, likening your, are you likening yourself to one of the highest paid black actors in America? Yeah, I'm equal. <laughs> <laughs> I'm equal to this gorgeous, sexy, beautiful, rich, clever, talented man. Hey, 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 hey. Looking hey. for we've, equality. We've, 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 we've already talked about, about the sexualization of the black man. Um, <laughs> let's, not, let's not drift into it again. Um, good. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that you um, potentially do not, or that you're about to find out if you have corona. Um, and obviously, um, I hope that you don't. If you do, can I have the house? Um, just to be clear. Um, or do you want to split it with your number one son? Maybe My oldest son. Yeah, good. Yeah, and my cool. second I hope you. Son do, and my quick, quick, quick question for you. Do, you: do you ever listen to the podcast back? Do you ever hear? Yes, them? I've I've listened to all of them now. Um, you listen. A dear friend called Sue who lives up in up north somewhere in in Lancashire, and she said that she wasn't feeling too good. I think she may have stayed in bed one day, and she listened to us all day mm. because at the time it came to seven hours. So she mm. could just sit there and drink tea and listen to the whole thing. And I I thought that was lovely. The thought that. So what after you after after you heard Sue was listening to it, you thought I might as well listen That's to it right. as well. No. You had to take a recommendation from a friend to listen to your own show. It's always encouraging. Well, listen, it's always encouraging. Let's say that this whole process that we are doing at the moment is completely new, and we are learning all the time. I didn't know I was supposed to listen to it. <laughs> why would I? Well, why, why would I want to listen to my boring old self wittering on about something I know nothing about, like rap? Um, but in fact, I, mean, I loved it when I listened to myself. I thought, it, and my friend Michelle said it just made her laugh. Now she's one of my few friends of colour, and the fact that she thought that what we were doing was funny was a bit a bit dodgy. I wondered. I, I haven't got back did, to it. No, yet. no, I'm not sure she found. I'm not sure she found. Which episode did you find funny? I don't funny? know. I don't know. Well, I'm, I'm early, guessing the ones the where ones. the guessing ones, ones where we cry, yeah, um, are probably the ones that she found less funny, and mm. maybe the one about rap music was funny. Anyway, um, well, it's good to know that you're listening um, uh, to your own show. We've had lots of loads of really positive feedback over the last two weeks. Isn't there anybody um, who thinks they're a waste of space? Uh, if they do, they're not telling us. If they do, they're not telling us. I think there's lots of people who disagree. Um, I think there'll be the, the yeah, they'll, they'll, if you they'll, they'll thought exist. we're a waste of space, you'll just switch it off, won't you, and go to another yeah. podcast. Yeah, I don't think we've got enough of a listenership yet that people have the have the energy to listen and to 
criticise. Right. I think that when you get to high numbers, you'll get people who will make it their time to listen to something and then and then tell you what they don't like. Whereas, as you say, if they don't like it, they just don't bother listening. Um, and if they don't like it, remember remember that ninety nine percent of these people will be friends. Um, so uh, it's re- it's, re- it's reached farther than that now. I'm now getting people I've never met uh, listen to it, but largely. Um, we could. It's fair to say that the people that are listening to this show have come into physical contact with one of us um, in the last hundred years. So, um, so I think that does change the dynamic. But anyway, I've got um, a horrible controversy online with white racist people who are getting upset about the statues being pulled down. Um, yeah, and I'm not sure, but I think that all of the people who shouted at me are um, are British, and they're getting really. Mm really agitated and one woman said to me the problem with you is you're not a patriot Mm. and i said dead right i'm not um Mm. my mother quite by chance was living in such and such a place in london when i was born why would i be proud of that i'm proud of my mother but i'm not proud of the fact that she settled in marchmont street when i was born um i've never been a patriot and i think it's partly because you know the real reason is i'm partly foreign See, this is interesting, actually, because I've heard this um, in the past as well. And I've got a real question about this, which is, are you proud to be British? This is this is not this is not about you. This I'm, I'm hearing this a lot across the board. And... I'm grateful that I'm British. I'm white. I'm, I am because I managed to get through to university. I have become middle class. I'm a house owner. I've got a proper salary money coming in. I'm very, very grateful. And my friend. My best friend, who is German, said almost the same thing yesterday. She said, I'm so grateful for where I am, um, but not proud because I didn't I didn't do anything to earn that. I, I didn't do a single thing to earn that, did I? I just happened to be born in the right place at the right time. And, you know, did we talk earlier on about travel and why people might travel? I've yeah. been in places in my life where I've stood still and thought, my God, that could be me living in this strange place in the middle of the Sardinian countryside or in this tiny place in the middle of China. Uh, and maybe, okay. that, maybe that is the virtue of travelling, is, is saying this could be me. I could have had this life. What does that mean? And what it means okay. to me is I, I go home to London and I think, thank God I live here. Okay, but that means no one can be proud of where they came from. That's right. Okay, fine. Pride is the wrong word to use, um, was what the, was the point I was about to get to. Can I just say, I don't know why anybody would think it was. Proud to be Irish, proud to be uh, American, uh, make America great again. What did that young woman say? When was America ever great? That You can be proud to be something that you never had to no, be. I'm proud, I'm, to be a, I'm proud to be a man. I'm proud to be a man. Can you be proud to be a man? No, can I be proud to be... that's, that's just genetics. Okay. Okay. So okay. So then this is proud this to is be semant- a good man. Proud to be a. This is semantics. Then so we will lose the word proud in this context because, to your point, uh, you can't be proud to do something that you have never, that, that is just that is just is for is by by chance that you came to be. But you can have, pride, you can have, what well, what do you call it when you feel, um, uh, when you feel a sense of satisfaction, a sense of. Maybe it is grateful. I'm grateful to be British. Are you grateful to be British? Yes, I am. Yes. Because I'd rather be British um, than anything else. For me, it's a very simple reason. I love to think that I can read Shakespeare in the original. That's all. Okay, but you and Tommy Robinson um, then agree on. Can you agree that you agree on both being British on on the idea of being whatever the whatever the descriptive term is? Grateful to be British. He would call it proud. I would have called it pride um, up until minutes ago, until until we, we've sort of chatted about this. Whatever that word is, you were in agreement with Tommy Robinson in terms of that sense of satisfaction around being a British person. I came from a family of extremely clever people. My mother, mm. my aunt, my uncle. The, 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 the longer I live, the more... Um, glad I am that I lived with those three people because they were Mm -hmm. very clever people and yet they never oh no the last year of his life my uncle before that never earned his living except by using his hands and my mother and my aunt 
My mother mm. was a dressmaker. My aunt was a milliner, which was unfortunate because wearing hats died out in her lifetime. Mm. And uh, my uncle was a hairdresser. They were the three cleverest people I've ever known between them. They had no education. Mm. We don't even know the name of any school that they went to because they went to nothing the schools. They went to the little school around the corner. But they were mm. all very bright and they did a lot of reading um, mm -hmm. and a lot of talking, which is how we come to be a talking family. Um, mm -hmm. I'm proud of them and what they did. And I think that they are probably glad to have been British as well. Because they both came from, both sets of people came from emigre families where there'd been great hardship in the past. Mm. So they were dead glad to be in the middle of Leeds or the middle of London. But they weren't proud to be British in that way, like Tommy Robinson would be. Well, this is, okay, but this is my question because, and we, we're going to get onto the actual subject matter of the episode. We've got, already gone off on a tangent. But for me, the one thing that I disagree with a lot of people that I'm seeing who are on what I'd call our side of the debate, mine and your side of the yeah. debate around around race, is this either I'm not proud to be British or um, or I'm not from here, which doesn't happen as much because people do think they are from here. But you talked about saying fundamentally you kind of feel like you're foreign. Um, and I am, whatever that word is, I am proud to be British. I am proud to the union. The union, no, but the union jack is a is is this dirty piece of imagery in in our society. And rather, I think my frustration, and again, this will appeal to the odd Tommy Robinson listener that might be tuning into the podcast. But rather than, I think the union jack needs to be an icon of who we are, and I think the union jack needs to be an icon of who we are, and and respected and loved because my point is is that the issue people have with britain and the way it is suggests that they've separated themselves from britain and uh, and who they are whereas like a like a mother loves their son like like hitler's mum would have loved hitler if you want to change something you have to fix it because you love it you don't separate yourself you don't you don't disown it you, you, if, if, you, if your child or your dog misbehaves, you don't disown it. You lean in more aggressively and work to fix it, to, to, to treat it, to help it, to love it until it is good again. Because Britain, we might, I'm not I'm saying this is the case, but people might think that Britain is not a good place currently, we could argue, right? But that means that you have to work harder to make it. So if I, I consider myself a, who am I? I'm a Londoner, born and bred in London. Uh, I'm born to um, two parents who were both technically born in the UK, but who consider themselves people, whatever you call it, first generation, uh, second generation, whatever, the, 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 however you want to see it. But they are born of foreign, of foreign parents. But I'm a Londoner. I'm British. And if Britain is broken, then it is my responsibility as much as anyone else's to repair it. And that's where I do find I get a sense of kind of patriotism um, because, because this is my problem as much as anyone else's. To the, I, I, ta I, I will get a Union Jack tattoo at some point, 100%. Oh, oh please. 100%. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's, it's literally, once the shop's open, I will do. Because I am proud to be British. And it's important that I'm proud to be Why British. Why are you proud to be British? What has Britain, what has Britain done in its history? Because Britain, because Britain, Britain has given me this moment here. If I'm sitting in front of you on the bits of technology we are in, the houses that we're fortunate enough to live in, in the clothes that I get to wear, in the education I've been able to see, in the holidays I've been able to take, that is all based fundamentally on the country with which I was grown, I grew up in, the education with which I was provided, and the jobs I've been able to get. So actually, Britain has done good for you. It's done. It's not even done good for me. It's done everything for me. In the same way that if I lived in. I don't know, uh, 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 New York, I would have to say America has given me everything that I am because it is the basis for who you are. It's, it's where you come. You can't go, oh, everything I have is good. I can, you, you can be influenced by Chinese culture if you're Chinese. Of course you can. But everything I am is British, surely, because that is where I spent the majority of my life. And that is, they are the, the, the these are the cause and effect that has shaped who what my life is because every day is spent 
in Britain. So, and that's why I, that's why I, the one part of it that I think I, not struggle on, but the one part of it I find myself disagreeing with people on, um, or the tone that is sometimes taken, is this idea of Britain isn't in a good space, which is true. And I seem in some way I'm separating myself from that. Whereas I don't. I say if Britain's, I wore, I wore a Union Jack bandana around my face to the protests um, because I, because I'm proud to be British. I'm not sure pride is the word because that's what we're deconstructing now. But whatever that word is, I am that to be British. I'm proud to be British, even if Britain is broken, in the same way that I'd be proud to be my brother's brother, even if he was a criminal, because it'd be my responsibility to then work with him to 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 fix himself to to be to be better um so uh, i just thought it was quite interesting because it's one thing that i've heard over the protests that i potentially i'm always really cautious when people when they try and disassociate themselves to the country they live in i think it's dangerous to do it because you, if, if anything you fuel i think i'm stronger against the tommy robinsons as well because i turn around and go i'm british yeah. Like I, I'm an Englishman. Yeah. You are no more English than I am. Yeah. Because if anything, they go, "Well, I'm English, mate. You're foreign. Your granddad's from somewhere." Uh, do you know what I mean? And actually, I'm the opposite. The, the, I'm going to do more damage to Tommy Robertson and his crew by going, "I am one of you," because we are all British, and that means they have to face up to the fact that Britain is multicultural. If we all disassociate and go, "Well, I'm actually a Dominican man, or my mum's or my mum's family's French," then I'm I'm leaving Britain to them. You know, and I am just a visitor, even if I was born here. Let's make one comment about that. I just want to know why the word American has come to mean white. If you are a person of colour in America, you describe yourself as African-American, despite Mm -hmm. the fact that it may have been 400 years since your family has been in Africa. Mm. Um, If you are... Um, a person, another person of a different color. You call yourself Native American. Yeah. Um, but if you are white, you call yourself American, and yeah. that is fundamentally what the problem is: that those white racists think that the word American means white. So I've yeah. decided from now on that somebody like Donald Trump, I will describe him as European American or even Scottish German American. Because that's or just white America. It's only it's only two generations ago that Donald Trump's family was in a in two different countries in Germany or in Scotland. Long before Donald Trump stood for president, I can remember it must be ten years ago, a famous ten years ago story. I saw a piece of film. This American businessman visiting the place in Scotland where his mother had been born. Mm. And I was really interested by what happened because with a group of people, he walked up to this little house. He went into the house. He was inside for about 30 seconds. And I mean that really 30 seconds. And he walked out again. And I remember thinking at the time, what a strange man that he doesn't feel whatever pride or Mm. a sense of um, belonging or anything at all. Donald Trump wasn't remotely interested in the house where his mother was born because he sees himself as American. Mm. And that means deny the Scottish bit, deny the German bit, pretend that didn't happen. He could and should have given credit to his mother, who I believe, I'm not sure about this, I believe she was a servant, who made that incredible journey to America. How long that journey must have seemed for that generation of women. Uh, That was something to be proud of, that his mother had the courage and the resources to do that. But he wasn't. He didn't care a damn about it because finally he thinks he's American and he thinks he was American since ever, since the dinosaurs. And he sees. Yeah. I mean, there's something interesting. That is a great article in that and someone who can trace their lineage further back than Donald Trump, which by the sounds of things wouldn't be actually that hard to do because a lot of, because he hasn't been there that long in, term, in that respect. This episode it should be labelled optimism. That's the theme of the subject here. Um, we've obviously we can do what we want. It's our podcast. You can chat about whatever makes you enjoy, whatever makes you happy. But I wanted to come on today and talk about optimism for a handful of reasons. One, we have done two quite strong episodes, I'd say, in useful episodes, I'd say, around um, race and what's going on in the world today. Um, and they've been kind of quite emotional episodes. Um, but I don't think I definitely don't want to continue doing those episodes over and over again one because we're not experts and once we drift into the third hour of our opinion on this subject it gets dangerous because 
we're not experts. Two, because I don't want a podcast that is all about negativity and um, and sadness. But then also, I want to do optimism because I think it would be um, kind of it would be weird of us to jump into our original schedule of events in terms of the subject matters we you and I were always going to talk about so abruptly from having had two quite powerful episodes that have meant a lot to both of us. So optimism is kind of a halfway house for me as we move away from the immediacy of the conversation we're having around race um, globally at the moment, but also, um, yeah, and as we drift potentially back closer to that of the conversations we've had in the past where and what they are are conversations that you and I decide that aren't necessarily affected by outside of events and that you in theory can lead from a place of history or experience historically rather than being forced to talk about current affairs and things that you might not have a experience in dealing with um so with that in mind um, are you feeling optimistic today? For myself, yes. Yeah. Those nice people did the, um, the blood test on me yesterday to see if I have the illness. And mm-hmm. I am 99.9% convinced that I don't have the illness. So for, mm-hmm. for instance, some people are very afraid of it and I'm not because mm-hmm. I'm shielded in my sweet little flat, my sweet little mm-hmm. garden, and I can stay safe. Um, so personally, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, Great. But that's, that's a good feeling. But once again, it goes back to something you have said in the last week or two about um, being the top. Well, I think we're the top 2%. We're not as rich as Bill Gates, but we have mm. everything which we need, our little family, Mm-hmm. Stay happy. Um, your daughter got a fabulous school report this week, <laughs> and yeah. a fabulous school. I've never seen a school report as good as that. There was there was nothing negative. There was not even could do better. It was just wonderful. All the stuff the teacher said about her. So that gives mm-hmm. all you, me, the um, um, your daughter's mother, um, and the other grandmother and the uncles and everybody a great feeling of of being in, of doing the right thing because this mm-hmm. child is just wonderful and this, and above all this child is happy i spent half an hour with her this week and she had me cracking up laughing um mm. she's, she's a very happy enormously kid. adventurous person and she's just lovely anyway the point is this that as a family we are doing okay and we could safely mm-hmm. say that the that we are optimistic um but that's not true for an awful lot of people outside, people who live in my street, people, uh, my neighbour two doors down who's lost all of her income and is living in the direst poverty now with her children, despite the fact that she has a professional qualification. Um, um, it's not true of probably the vast amount of people in this country at the moment. Mm. The, the future is not looking good because... Even when they open all the shops next week, um, they haven't got the money to buy anything from them. It won't get better. Um, On the other hand, I have read a little bit about previous epidemics and the human race recovers, albeit with a great pain. But the human race, that, that is why we are the dominating species on this planet is we always get better. We always yeah. improve. We always come. People came out of the... Um, I've got a neighbour not very far from here who was in Auschwitz, and she's yeah. 90 now, 92, I think. Um, and she recovered, and she, she didn't recover. She made good. She yeah. decided she was not going to let this experience destroy her one life, and she made yeah. good, and she has been extremely successful in every possible way, in a marriage, in children, in work, and finally campaigning about uh, for anti-racism she's been fantastic yeah. she's written books she's been on the telly um her name actually is Ava Schloss I, it's good to mention her name um and human beings tend to make good they they live through the worst experiences and if as long as they're still alive they make good and in that sense is that optimism yes it probably is yeah so I mean okay it's worth actually saying kind of taking a moment to to understand what we mean by optimism full stop well optimism surely is a is a future 
belief that things will be a successful. A present belief for the future. A present belief for the future that things will be successful. I mean, that's not a, that's not a, a dictionary. As you know, um, this I can't believe. I'm just quoting something I read in the paper. Apparently, if you can look at it globally, the world is in a better shape now in the sense that there are fewer wars. Would you believe it? There are fewer mm-hmm. wars than there have been in the past. There are fewer people um, suffering from a lack of food. Um, mm. And there are more whatever. Basically, mm. despite all the obstacles, the human race is actually improving. I mean, people like the 17-year-old girl from Sweden who's inspired everybody on global warming. Um you know, we're getting better. We're listening to people like seventeen-year-old kids. But also, but also to, to your own to your point there. Of course, like if anyone, it might feel at anyone's situation that life is difficult at the moment. Um, um, for for example, your friend who cannot work, I appreciate that. And the, right now, in the in the in the throes of that, she might go. Um, Jesus, my life stinks right now, right? Yes, she will but, be saying that. But in the grand scheme of things, she lives in a Western society. She lives, uh, uh, she has free health care. She has a group of friends and family around her, both from her native country and here, yes. that if she didn't have money for a loaf of bread, she could turn to. And I'm not talking about this person specifically, but there are so many people on the planet right now but actually if you just hop because it's hard oh, she to... has a free free health service that she can use anytime exactly that's and so it's hard to um it's, it's sometimes not fair to go i'm better off than the person in the war-torn third world country somewhere else right and i think we've always got to be really mindful that everything is relative so of course my life is better than that person but that doesn't mean my life in my own ecosystem isn't very hard but it's easier to go back and go where was i five years ago where was i 10 years ago so your own life your own existence and compare yourself to them and i often think that people are in better situations than where they are um be it i now have children that i didn't have before so yes i haven't got the disposable income that i have but i also my life is massively improved by the fact that i have a child that i love or that she loves me back um where was i that i was unqualified that now I'm qualified to do X, Y, and Z. Even if you're not doing said thing, that it's really hard. It's 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 often quite dangerous to to forget all of these things um, um, and focus in the immediate. And I'm someone who has done that historically really well. I've gone. Your life is ten times better than it was ten years ago, but it's still not as good as it could be, or it's still not where you want it to be. There was this great. Um, podcast that someone forwarded to me about the ex the ex ceo of uh something uh, a google subsidiary called google labs or something google futures and basically it was a department in google that were responsible for coming up with what they call moonshot ideas a moonshot idea is that idea that's so insane that it's never been done before so he his team came up with um wi-fi in air balloons that would fly over sub-Saharan Africa, meaning that you could have Wi-Fi anywhere in the world. There was no one on the planet that you couldn't get connectivity. And he, this man was fabulously successful, probably paid a disgusting amount of money, had everything he ever wanted, had houses or whatever, um, and still felt unhappy. And then his son tragically died, aged about 21, from some freak accident. And he had a really good reason to be unhappy. And then went back and decided, because he was a really analytical thinker, decided he wanted to find the formula for happiness. And so like this technology brand that he worked for, he went and looked for what, and he, and he traveled around the world and he, he met loads of people. And I think he's got a podcast around it specifically, but he's just a great character. And he's written a book about it. What was interesting was that what he came away with was happiness is based on expectation. And this is where people go wrong, is that if you expected that success was waking up, because for some people, as we can appreciate, they're fearful they might not wake up tomorrow. If you base success and happiness on I I will wake up tomorrow, then all of us, if that's our quota, have surpassed that. If you're listening to this podcast, you have already beaten today's agenda. Then if you said um, uh, I am. I wake up today, and my immediate family are safe. 
then again, hopefully anyone listening to this conversation will go, yeah, I've ticked that. Now, if you said to yourself, I wake up today and I'm in my beach house in Malibu and I'm drinking daiquiris and my chef is making me my favourite breakfast, then I'm thinking that at least nine out of ten of us are going to wake up today feeling unhappy because we are not living to that level of expectation. And I just think there's something really interesting to be said about kind of standing back and going, yes, at the moment is really hard. Somewhat I've struggled with optimism over the last two weeks massively. But actually, even around the conversation of of um, what's going on in the black community at the moment, bar the tragic death of these people um, that has taken place, which is, again, incredibly difficult and we wish it hadn't happened, this is the best the Black Lives Matter movement has been ever. This is this if they if if, if they had a happiness Richter scale in their office, this is the best it's ever been. Not because it's good, but because they're getting the most traction they've ever had. And I'm not talking about the talking about the black community when I say they right now. I'm talking about us collectively is standing back and going, what is success? What is happiness? Um and how do we how are we comparing it? Because life is not about kind of how good or how bad it is. It's how you respond to it. Do you know what I mean? You can't control the things that happen to you, but you can control how you respond to them. And so if you then start going, okay, well, as long as I wake up today, for, and for George Floyd, he didn't wake up today. So that is that, that is if we can all, if, if, if our baseline is as long as I woke up today, then we can appreciate that George Floyd's family and for George Floyd specifically he didn't wake up today so he has not met our the lowest quota and that's why we know it's a, a tragedy but if we can all stand back and go okay I'm waking up today then fine my immediate family have woken up today again George Floyd's family can't do that sadly um uh, so again that baseline is not met but if we but said can I interject here what happens if you are listening to this sitting in a hospital at the bedside of a most loved person who is dying Mm. How do you rationalise that? It's a great, it's a great question. It's a great question. Well, but that's our baseline. Did you wake up today? Um, uh, full stop. And we and they've ticked yes because they're sitting in the bedside. So if that was our baseline for happiness, then they have met that because they are fortunate. If you wake up today and you are well, you are uh, woken up today and your family around you are not in immediate danger, then that would be happy. But one of them potentially is on their deathbed. So we can then they can then start to go, okay, well, I've got fair reason to maybe not be happy. But then if you say to yourself, maybe the baseline that we can, again, that we can all in introduce is, have I had loving relationships with the people around me for the last 10 plus years or for the last 10 plus days? Doesn't actually, let's not, let's not make it grand. And you go, well, yeah, my I've had a really great, me and my daughter have had a really fun time over the last 10 days. So yes, I'm happy. And you might say to that person then sitting by the bed, and this is not me passing comment on anyone who's going through anything specifically, but more holistically, how grateful should we all be to have just done this, to have just existed, to just be here, to have had a family member that you can feel sad about because they are now dying? <laughs> Stop a second. <laughs> and this is a bizarre thought. Do you ever think how lucky the accident of your birth is. For instance, let's be vulgar, when your father ejaculated, the sperm was whoa, you. Whoa, whoa! There was, there was you've another got a, you've got, you've, 150,000 other need, little sperm who, got, who died, but you lived. Oh, Jesus. That, do you not think about that? How lucky you are to have been born. I have never thought that, and now I'm thinking about it, and okay, I'm going to have out. I'm going to have to go back into therapy there. There you go. That's an extra That's an extra 80 quid down the toilet. So you can substitute it and just say, do you never think how lucky you were to have been born? That, that you were the sperm that survived. I just, even even the word sperm is really upsetting me. Uh, isn't it like 150 million or something? Isn't it like 150 million sperm? Um, uh, and that I'm the one that made... million billion sperm died. Exactly. And so every, but even to the, the lowest rung of society, 
is already 150 that's million. Right. That's right. That's right. That's first in a race that had 150 million people that's in right. it. That's right. Exactly. So just by the sheer nature of existing, yes. we should be optimistic around going, or grateful, back to that kind of word, that but idea that of gratitude. Sa- there's a lovely Monty Python song um, that I hope they're going to play at my funeral, which Eric Idle created, and I can't remember exactly the words, but it's, there's a line which says, just reflect on how exceedingly unlikely was your birth. Mm. And... Um, yeah, that's that's your baseline. That's your beginning. Uh, how extraordinary that we were the ones who survived. Um, all those brothers and sisters who went down the drain. Um, mm. oh, that's a horrible image as well, thanks. <laughs> sorry, sorry, I've frightened you. <laughs> frightened yeah. you. Um, um, I did have something to say about this, but you've talked so long, I've forgotten. Oh, cheers. Mm. Um, I think we're very lucky to be here. And as you said, we've won the first race and then. Um, and we're continuing. And if, if you've got to, if you've got tomorrow, then you're yes. even more lucky oh, because tomorrow say, is completely unwritten in that. I respect. have a serious heart condition mm. and it is quite possible. It happened to a friend of mine, my best friend, Eileen, that she died in her sleep. And when mm. she went to sleep that night, she didn't know she was going to die. And she mm-hmm. just wasn't there in the morning. It was over. A carer came in and found her dead. And that's going to happen alive. to me, yeah. please God, one day, because I can't think of a better way of dying, really. Mm. Um, but I'm, I'm grateful every morning to wake up because my heart condition is serious enough that it could just wipe me out at one go. So, yeah, I'm looking at the sun streaming in the window. Now, you always laugh about that, but the sun streaming in the window is a great, is a great measure of my... I always like it that you tell the audience that. Actually, but... You can say, I was not going to say this when we started, but I am an optimist, yeah? And are you feeling optimistic? Because I don't, I don't think you need to be an optimist every day. That says, that's a, that, that's a bigger ask. I am optimistic. I, because I just wanted to go back and say this thing about um, five minutes ago, Tommy Robinson. My Auntie Mary, uh, one of the three important people in my life, my childhood, was um, a fully paid-up co- member of the British Communist Party for nearly 30 years, as of my uncle. Mm. And she always said, if we ever get the communist revolution, which incidentally she believed in and she did think was going to happen, because she mm. thought it was just an inevitability that the British people would one day see, see that socialism, communism was the way to live. She said, if mm. we ever do it in this country, we will be great at it because fundamentally British people are full of empathy and charity and they Mm. will look after each other well now i'm not sure that i entirely agreed with that until recently Mm. every twice a week a woman comes to my house and delivers food to me and Mm. in the night when i go for my walk i put an envelope through her door with um, the money in Mm. and I have never had a single conversation with her. I don't know her. She's a total stranger. She happens to live three doors down from me. But I had, she and I had never set eyes on each other until the mm. quarantine started. When through another neighbour, she sent me her phone number and said, would you, need, would you like help with your shopping? And I said, yes. Um, mm. And her generosity and kindness and going out of her way. Well, I wanted, I wanted some watercolours for your daughter. And, you know, mm. she she trudged around Kentish Town before all the shops closed down and found them for me. Um, her generosity and kindness is, I think, typical of the goodness of people. Fundamental, oh, Brett said this, fundamentally, when you say it's human nature, it means being good, being helpful. Who said this? Wanting to help. Who said and that? Incidentally, last thing to say about that, that woman is actually American, born in Philadelphia. But I only- Who said that? You just quoted someone, but I didn't hear what you... Bertolt Brecht, in the middle of a Caucasian chalk circle, very wonderful play, said she did the right thing because uh, finally um, it's human nature to want to be good and to help other people. And now people, um, news on the telly or the radio or whatever is finally pessimistic all the time i mean god almighty you can listen to a news bulletin for 30 minutes and not hear one good thing everything Mm. about it is about nastiness and suffering and spite and murder um they very very rarely do it they occasionally do it at the end of a news bulletin and they say oh 
you know, a new panda was born in the London Zoo today. Yeah. The uplift moment because they don't want to leave on this depression. But finally, yeah. news is, 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 is better if it's miserable. And those people Absolutely. there are earning a living doing news. Um, but I think that, I think like Bertolt Brecht and all those old communists, I think that finally people are fundamentally good. And if you mm. give them half an opportunity, they will do the right thing. They won't go and steal and riot and break people's cars. Okay, so with that in mind, if if, it, if people are listening, we know they are. Um, uh, if not, just you in a week's time. Um, um, can we? Can 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 you? Can you? Not that you are a wisdom necessarily on this subject, but can we, as two people with brains in our heads, think about a way, a checklist that people could almost? Do? I'm just trying this. I'm not sure this going to work, but a checklist, a route to feeling optimistic right now. So that for anyone who's listening to this right now, is there something that we can a checklist that they can ask themselves that then by the end of it will let them work out and hopefully i guess is the point that god forbid that they turn around and go jesus thanks guys i've now checked my life and it does stink <laughs> but could turn around and go um okay based on what they have said i should go out into the day um feeling more optimistic okay i won the first battle i was i was the one person in the 149 million sperm that went down the toilet Okay, 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 so I'm going I'm to structure this so we've got a, a segment. So the question is, did you win the battle of the 150 million sperm um, uh, that made it through to be made into a human being? Yes. If you answer that question, then you're on the first, you've completed the first step to feeling yes. optimistic and happy about your life. What's the next question? What's the next checkpoint they need to get to? Let's get that line from Eric Idle, how exceedingly unlikely is your birth, right? So, okay, so our question two could be, do you have access to clean water at this moment in time? Yeah. Fine. If you said yes to that, then you are past the second checkpoint in Mimi and Matthew's uh, road to optimism and happiness. Uh, Mimi, what's your third one? Um, well, do you want, with the one with clean water, do you want to add food? Or do you want to make that it is, a separate one? As a second tier, as a second tier, yeah, it can be another one. So, do you have enough to eat? Number three, okay. um... Were you lucky enough to be born into a family where people loved you, where you were welcomed? Now, okay. a lot of people would not be able to say yes to that. Okay. Well, we're making this too hard already. I was going to get to the hard ones later on. No, let's just make it easy. <laughs> were you lucky enough to be born into a family where you were loved? Okay. Were you lucky? Hopefully, hopefully, some people, hopefully, some people would say yes to that. And those who can't say yes to that, um, you can still continue on our uh, checkpoint. You just can't tick every box. But by the end of it, if you checked enough boxes, hopefully you'll feel satisfied. Were you lucky enough to be born into a a place where you could get a good health service? Now you see mm -hmm. an awful lot of Americans cannot say yes to that. I'm getting more and more depressed as we go on. Now this has gone the wrong way. That now, the first two questions I could say yes to. The next two questions I'm not so convinced. I mean, I can say yes to, but I'm worried that lots of people can't do. By the end of it, I'm going to be like, geez, now, I don't know, Bill, the black guy from, from Detroit in America, is now like, yeah, guys, I've confirmed that I'm suicidal. This optimism episode's been terrible. Um, 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 okay, I, I think these are now statements, not, 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 not later statements. I want now statements. Why, do you, why should you feel happy right now? If you've got a good health service. And the money to access it, because if you're American, okay. you have to pay. Um, but that means you're, to all our American listeners, you're now saying you've got a reason to not be happy. You've got a reason to not be happy. Okay, can I just do a quick anecdote to sit, sit in here? <laughs> no? Guys, this has gone terribly wrong. This is Mimi has not got the brief whatsoever and is now making all our American listeners no, depressed. This, no, this... Okay, right. I'm joking. Go on, hit me, hit me, hit me. We had friends in America... You were three and a half, and my, my, my boss's grandson was two and a half. And he had been born to a single mother with some awful physical problems prematurely. And when he was born, the doctor came to the young mother and said, we can get him treatment now, immediately, that we're going to have to take him to another hospital. Will, is that good? And she said, of course, of course, you must do it straight away. And he said, the problem with the hospital we're taking him to is it's across the state line, which mm -hmm. means that your medical insurance will not cover you. 
And she right. said, I don't care, take him. Now, as she drove up the freeway behind the ambulance, she, she'd given birth six hours before and she was driving alone in a car following the ambulance. She tried to work out what the sums might be. And it turned out that this little boy stayed in the hospital for five weeks. And this is mm. over 30 years ago, this story. And the fee for the week was $7,000. So by the time she was able to take him home and he was absent, when we knew him, he was absolutely fine. Um, mm. The bill she'd run up was $35,000. And she 30 explained years ago. to me that she had absolutely no way of paying that bill, that it would be like a credit card bill that she would be charged um, um, interest on the every month that it was outstanding. And she said, finally, my son is probably going to pay this bill himself when he's an adult. Mm. And I just sat there with my mouth open because I couldn't imagine what she was talking about. Mm. When I was three years old, the National Health Service came in. And since that hot day, I haven't anywhere at any time paid for any medical treatment whatsoever, except occasionally for a prescription. When I was younger, you paid for prescriptions. I'm old now, yeah. I don't pay for prescriptions. I take 16 pills a day and I don't pay one penny for any of them. Um, so an American might find it difficult to answer your question. Um, do you feel, you know, that you're, you're in a place with safe medical thing? Because they're not. Yeah. I, I, to to summarise that, my point was I was trying to make the audience feel positive um, and that we've now successfully alienated all the American listeners uh, and they will be because feeling depressed. The, the medical treatment that he got when he got it was first class. He would have got the best treatment in the world. That's why they moved him to a specialist hospital. It's just that they had to pay for it at all. And we're not used to that in Britain. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. I there, there lies the tangent, the Mimi tangent that uh, I know so well and that has has played such a large part in my uh, in my growth and education as a human being that you can not only miss the point, but you can miss the point and fill 17 minutes worth of conversation on not understanding the point. Um, I maybe, told you um, I didn't know about this topic and that I have... It never, I've, ever I've slows you I've down. What I love is it never, ever... But you have, it's not even, no, you haven't got an opinion on that. You've just got an opinion on something completely different. You've got an opinion on something completely different, which is which is what's fabulous. Uh, this is your podcast. You can talk about whatever the hell you want. I try to guide us into a place where uh, uh, the audience can get something from it or that we can kind of begin to control what the subject matter is. Otherwise, it would just be a stream of consciousness from your head. But you know what? Some of the feedback I've had has been, we love the, the stream of consciousness from your mother's head. So uh, who, who am I to judge? This is a, a living organism in itself and it will grow in its no, own way. No, but it's way. what other people think. I'm just saying things that other people think. Absolutely, absolutely. And you can say, as you say, it's your podcast. If you want to talk about, I don't know, Nazi Germany and the Gestapo or about oh, Paul Hollywood and, and baking, then that be so your wish. Um, okay, so... Idris Elba. Go on. You, or if you, want to, if you want to do a 45-minute episode... Could Idris Elba be James Bond? I mean, I think that's a really important question. Well, what I was going to do is I can post on social and we can ask, what would you like Mimi to talk about? And the audience can decide. And again, we'll let them work out what you want to talk about. I would um, go and see James Bond if it was paid by Idris Elba, I'll tell you. <laughs> okay, well, there we go. Uh, the sexualization of black men in my mother's world once again. Um, 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 uh, no, jokes aside. Um this episode was meant to be uh, about optimism, and it has been about optimism. I think it's been about finding optimism um, in the darkness. I think it is about looking for ways that, looking for ways in which optimism will flourish in your existence. So that's not about going find an interesting way to look at my life, um, it, an angle that then makes me feel better about myself, but also saying to yourself, and I think maybe even though it wasn't the original subject matter, that thing about being proud to be British and loving who you are, regardless of whether it is correct or fixed or right, will fuel optimism. Uh -huh. That you will, if 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 you believe intrinsically that this is our problem, like everything, like if like we believe that being anti-racist or being the racism situation is all, all our problem, Absolutely. and then. The the difference between a problem that is yours and a different problem that is not, and this is a theory I'm coming up with on the spot, but if it's a problem that is mine, then I have the opportunity to fix it. 
If it's a problem that lives so far away from my existence, then of course you can feel powerless. I can't stop the war in Syria, uh, for example, and I feel powerless and deflated by it. But if I make the war in Syria my problem, then there is a potential for me to contribute to its improvement or, or, or resolution. And so, yeah, hopefully we can find optimism. And if you can't find optimism today, then land, lay the groundwork to find optimism tomorrow. I'd like to add two little things to that. Uh, late last night, I heard a news bulletin which said that a football team, and I don't know who it is because I only came in halfway through this broadcast, um, a football team somewhere in Britain today is playing a match and they've had their names taken off the back of their football shirts and all of them, black and white, are playing the game with a um, slogan of Black Lives Matter. They've had it embroidered mm. onto their shirts. That, that makes me feel optimistic because, because well, it does. Full I don't have to explain why that makes me feel optimistic. And the other one, very strange, I am not a fan of da James Corden. Uh, I last night, very late, I saw something that he did broadcasting from his bedroom, I think, mm. when he made that I don't have white privilege speech, which we've been he hearing on and off over the last couple of weeks. Um, I grew up in very hard circumstances, he said, and we went on holiday to Eastbourne and we went camping. He said, my life was not easy when I was a child. And the young black woman, who I have no idea who she was, who was talking to him, managed to explain to him how white privilege works. And he finally said, oh, so it means I've got to listen. And she said, yes, you have to listen. And he, and he looked really perplexed and puzzled. I think this was all staged. I don't think this was spontaneous. I think they, they planned all of this. And, mm -hmm. oh, my goodness, well, there you are. As a white person, it's my obligation to listen. And she said, yes, that's right. Just listen and learn. Listen and learn. And he went away muttering, listen and learn. And that made me feel optimistic because being James Corden and being very articulate, he managed to sum the whole thing up so neatly in about two minutes the whole thing took. And I just thought I like James Corden. I'm now I'm now a fan of his because I think it's really well done. I actually I love him when he's in as an actor. Um, and those were those were both things that I heard late last night on the radio or the television, which made me feel optimistic because there was a time when footballers would never have done anything like have a political slogan. It was wonderful. It's wonderful that they're playing that game today. And I'm sure that all people, black and white, will, well, all rational people, not all the nutters who think you shouldn't take down the statue of God over Baden Powell. There you are. That's it. That's all I've got to say. You've made me into an optimist. You haven't finished your checklist. I think you can work on this during the week. Did you wake up today? Yes. Did you did you beat the 150 million yes. sperm that, that that you were racing with? Yes. Do you have access to clean water? Yes. Do you have access to food. food or money to buy food? Yes. Do you have access to a healthcare system, whether paid or free, that means that should something happen to you, you have the chance of making, you have a high probability of making it to the end of the day? Yes. I think if you can answer these questions as yes, then I think that is enough for you to begin. Happiness, again, is about your expectation. And if we expect a, a house in Malibu, uh, and daiquiri served to you by a waiter, then yes, your chances are you are going to feel dissatisfied today and potentially unhappy. But if you recognize the fact that just being awake today is a feat in itself, and many people won't have had that luxury today, then I think we've got enough to go into the rest of our day with feeling positive. I'm feeling more optimistic. Good, good. Well done, Matthew. Peace out, mum. Namaste. She's now doing a, a peace symbol into the video chat. I love you. Goodbye. Have a good day. I love you. Goodbye. Have a good day. If you like what you heard today, please comment, please make contact, please subscribe, but most importantly, please share. Share it with someone else. Give the gift of Mimi to someone else. Cheers. Thank you.